it should be part of our culture that we're actually holding people accountable. So you're that trust and verify. It's not a threat. It's actually normal. And it's actually part of how we function. Welcome to Build Your Culture Brand with Dr. Jay Rains. Join us as we discover ways to define, measure, and grow your culture. We want to help you intentionally build a culture that fits you. Hey, leaders. Welcome back to the Build Your Culture Brand podcast. I have with me today John Klingen in Marysville, Washington at the Chick-fil-A there. Welcome to the show, John. Thank you. I'm, I'm really excited to be with you here today, Jay. It's really great. John, it's been such a joy working with you and your team for this last year and just seen so many wonderful things. Like I got to be there on site with you and your leaders and have gotten to know you over time. You've become a good friend and uh, just really excited about your team and how they've grown. You've launched some leaders. You So some of that we want to get into here on the show, but I thought I'd let our leaders know a little bit about you. And then I have a, a question to kind of help let's unpack your leadership style, but your entrepreneurial journey started at 12 years old with a newspaper route. And so we'll actually have a question about that a little bit later. You had possibly the largest tent rental company in Canada. And that's just an incredible story about how that all started. I'd love to hear more about that too. And then you did some humanitarian work in Nicaragua and uh, just that was life transforming for you and your family. But you ended up at a Chick-fil-A in Yuma, Arizona, and that experience launched you to where you are now and near Seattle, just north of Seattle there. So would love to hear more about your journey, but I want to ask this leadership question. What would you say is your leadership superpower versus your leadership kryptonite? If, if you had a superpower or a kryptonite? Yeah, I think when I think of leadership and just my style of leadership and how I, I really want to do that, I think there's a number of things that's, that's really important to me, but I, I would say the one thing I was really looking at it a little bit today and that it was being sort of okay with the best version of myself. So I want to always be that best version of myself, but then I want to be okay with what that is. Um, I think often people are like wishing they were something that they weren't, and then they're intimidated by whatever that may or may not be. So to be okay with who that, who you are in that way is, is really, really important. And then for me, if I'm okay with that, what really drives me is I want to then be able to develop others. But I think I have to be really, really aware of who I am so that I can then develop others. I love it. No, it's a great. And in fact, that actually plays really well into one of the coaches on our team. His name is Dr. Josh Wymore. He just wrote a book called Humbler Leadership. And he defines being humble as having a very accurate view of yourself. Just just being very well aware of strengths and weaknesses and, and not overthinking yourself, but also not underthinking yourself. So I would say, say that uh, your superpower probably matches up well with that practice, that definition. So what, what do you feel like is the leadership part that works against you? Um, I would say at, at times, you know, I could be that person that maybe procrastinates a little bit um, when it comes to goals you know, we're going to talk a little bit about culture brand, but when you're looking at, at that side of it, um, for us, we put a, 
we put an area, a, a title around that as being sort of consistency. And, and that part for me sometimes is a little bit more of the challenge, working with others and, and really being that ownership side is something that I, I feel really, really strong on. So if there's going to be anything that's a, against me, it's, it's that side. Okay. Well, thank you for that transparency and that, you know, part of, you know, I've, I've enjoyed coaching you, John. It's, it's a lot of fun always getting on the call and I always appreciate your transparency and just uh, self-awareness about, about things like that. So thanks for being open about it right here. Um, you know, the, so uh, here's a question. How does being a 12 year old with a paper route help you today? What can you, are there some lessons learned there that you might be using even today? Yeah, I think work ethic that I learned at 12, um, and a lot of that really comes from my dad. My dad was a super hard worker, um, wasn't the most wealthy individual, but when it came to just being very dedicated in different areas in his life, like that was just something that he did extremely, extremely well. And whether that was his family, whether that was work, whether that was church, what whatever that was, there was this you do that and you always do a great job and you always do it really, really well. And I think that was something that I learned then and how that kind of ties into the paper route. When I was 12, um, he said, hey, why don't you, you get a paper route? Now, today in today's days and age, they don't even like young people don't know what a paper route is. But I was able to to get that. Um, going where we had a number of apartment buildings that had tons of, um, you know, we would deliver, I can't remember, around 250, 300 papers that weighed a lot every every morning. And I started doing it in houses with a bike and my bag on either side. And then that, like, that's kind of, that's hard. Let's figure a way that we can put the same amount of time, the same amount of effort into it and be able to do it much faster and work with the elements. So we got these apartment buildings that I started doing. And then I got my brother to help me and we did that. And, you know, back in the eighties, I was making $25 an hour delivering my papers because we were able to maximize that. So you transfer all of those things forward to today. How can we do things in the most efficient way possible? How can we learn how to bring others around us, whether it was my brother or anybody else to bring that around and let's work together to really um, maximize our capacity. And that's little things that I learned at 12 that I, I hope I'm able to use those today. Okay. Just, just for perspective, I was in early nineties. I was really glad to get a job at six fifty an hour. So just, you know, that just kind of, and that was working for something like FedEx, like a company a bit like FedEx. So Man, I wish I'd known you then and could have shared your uh, entrepreneurial insights with me. And for those of you who don't know what a paper is, that's a thing where they take the news and they print it on sheets of paper. They, you know, you roll it up and yeah, hopefully everybody on this uh, podcast knows what a paper is. So very, very fascinating. And then your entrepreneurial journey moved into this tent company. What, what were some like, what was a key win in your growth with that tent coming? Cause you went from like one tent to the largest in Canada. So tell, can you tell us a little bit about that journey? 
Yeah, I think that journey also was was really interesting as I was kind of getting to towards the end of high school and I'm thinking, where am I going to go? What am I going to do next? What that's what's that really going to look like? And you're, do I go to school? Well, I kind of don't really, that's not my first choice, but I was maybe going to go to business school and, and work that side and then kind of looking at, at different options. Um, but really, I came to the, the conclusion, like, I want to be able to develop something that's mine, be able to work forward and, and do that. And there was a really good friend of mine. His dad was actually a, a preacher and had one tent that he used. And he used that in the Maritimes, in the Maritimes of Canada. And uh, people would ask him, can you, can I rent it for this event or that? And his son then started, hey, well, that's a good idea. Let's rent those out. And I started thinking to myself, I went and helped him, but why can't I do this in Toronto? And ended up, won't go into all the details, but I ended up buying um, four tents. And I didn't really do the business plan that I probably should have done then beforehand. And I more went ahead and took the risk, bought the tents, and then figured out how I was going to work with them. I realized that a blue on blue and a yellow and white tent doesn't work for weddings. So I'm like, okay, now I have this product, but what am I going to do? So we ended up getting into the car dealer business. So that was the the niche though that we went after because we had the product. How do we go after that and use that product to our best ability? And that's what we did, served them really well. And then from there, filled into the wedding side. And then the biggest contracts that we had was the golf tournaments. So I looked after all the PGA tournaments across Canada, the ladies, the seniors, and the men's. Um, and so that was just something that I thoroughly enjoyed. And we did that for 20 years. Congratulations. What a story. And so you're able to sell and step away from that business. You went and did some work in Nicaragua, took your family and really invested your lives there for a while. Uh, got really good at Spanish, which is now paying off for you and and your, your family as well. So you ended up in a Chick-fil-A in Yuma, Arizona, and you fell in love. And here you are. How, how long have you been in Seattle area now? So we've been three and a half years um, with the business open. We actually moved this time um, in 2019 to Seattle. So four years now that we've actually been living here. And it was an interesting thing. Like I really wanted something between Phoenix, San Diego, up as far as Palm Springs. Um, and the opportunities, there weren't a lot of opportunities at that time. But the one thing that did come up was this opportunity here in Marysville. And, um, the, you know, a number of people thought, hey, John, I think you'd be a really good candidate for that particular market right at this time. And that's what we sort of investigated and, and were selected. And we've thoroughly enjoyed Marysville has been a great opportunity for us to be able to work in the community. Um, our corporate purpose is to serve Marysville by being its most caring company. And I think we've been able to do that in so many ways and have just thoroughly enjoyed serving Marysville and really all the way up to the Canadian border. We get to offer Canadians, which I'm actually Canadian as well. So I get to offer Canadians that first taste of Chick-fil-A, which is really cool. So you're, you're an international in that way. You you have an international <clears throat> group of customers. That's in, in fact, I enjoyed talking with one of your leaders uh, when I was there visiting with, with y'all that uh, she was telling me how 
uh, some Canadian ladies, ladies have come through and it was, they were so excited about coming to the Chick-fil-A that was closest to their home there in, in Canada and came to your location. They had a really great experience and I was so thrilled to hear how your team uh, cared for them and went kind of second mile. They talked about some of the second mile things they did for that group of ladies. It was a really fun story. So John, you've got this great team. I, I love our team, by the way, Kathy Lee, one of our coaches works with your team there in group coaching. We have some other coaches doing individual coaching with your leaders. And we've just really enjoyed the, the growth that we've seen in your leaders. Now, early on this year, when I was with you, we established what you and I are calling your culture brand. And for, you know, this is the Build Your Culture Brand podcast. You're, you're actually practicing these principles. What do you, if you could summarize some of the benefits of having a culture brand, how, how would you describe those benefits to our listeners? Yeah, I think culture brand has been really big. It, it, it took us a little bit to just figure really how we could use it and, and use it well. But what was really interesting when, when I first opened Chick-fil-A, one of the things that was told to me, you got to have a purpose, you got to have some you know, you got to have all that done. And that's part of your, it's, it's really who Chick-fil-A is and, and all of that. So I remember trying to work through that without having all the knowledge yet of what Maryville, Marysville was going to be like and how we were going to fit in. But what we came up with is that we wanted to serve Marysville by being its most caring company. And there were three words that were super important to me at that time. And that was consistency, commitment, and character. And I knew those words, I, I really felt that they were things that I wanted to, to really be able to share with my team. One of the things that I'm most passionate about, and I tell my leaders this all the time, is I'm really passionate about building leaders. I don't want really followers. I want to be able to build leaders. And that's something that's been a big part of me. So as I looked at that, I, I'm looking at how do, I, how do I actually be consistent and show consistency? How do I show commitment? And how do I show what a true character is and then build that into them? So those were kind of three words. <clears throat> we then one day looked at it and said, hey, I don't know if that's John's words, if this is the team's words, can we come up with something else? And we spent a Sunday, we went through and tried to do it and we still sort of didn't come up with anything great. And uh, then we started with Leaders Q and Jay, you came out and we're, okay, we're going to go through and go through some words and we're going to come up. And to, at first my team was like, oh no, John, not again. We're going through more words and more <laughs> things and this right. is frustrating. And now we've got these stickers all over the wall and we're trying to do it. And even at the end, like you were like, okay, we've done enough. Let's, what was super interesting is we actually came back. I think it was maybe a week or two after we sat down and actually went through the, but we determined that the three words that we had picked way back when I was just getting started were the three words that still fit with a culture brand and something that we can really, but what we were able to do is take that and not just have three words that are sitting somewhere on a business card that we hand out to everybody, but <clears throat> really became the lens by which we make all of our decisions and evaluate one another, evaluate the business and we use it all the time. So, my leaders now have, have got to be using it. I just met with Jacob, our kitchen director, the other day. He's like, John, I love this. I'm using it all the time with people. 
Um, I met with a shift lead that we're just getting ready to promote and was able to walk through that with them. So we have divided that out and we, we really use it as a baseline and then a way to evaluate leaders and people that are coming along in our business. And we actually have it posted in three or four different places in the restaurant. And what we encourage our team to do is let's look at it. So if you're looking at character, you've got things like coachability, dependability, and ownership. Let's score yourself, not on the last three months, but on this week. Have you been coachable? Have you been dependable? Um, what's ownership look like? Do you even know what that means? Because that's all part of character. Character is also a really cool thing because you don't go to college to learn character. That's kind of who you are. And everyone has the opportunity to develop that. Some of the other skills are more specific. So that's something that we've really been working with. And when you take consistency for us, that means results. When you take commitment, that means team and character. Well, that's just character. Thanks for fleshing out that story. You know, every, every client that we have, we, we join them on the journey they're already on. Right. And so obviously you'd already taken some steps down this road. You'd already picked these words and, and, you know, our workshop kind of challenged that we, for a, like you said, for a few days, it was maybe changing to this other, you know, construct, but it all, I think the, you know, marinating is an, is important for taking time to think through and let it marinate. So, just for everyone's benefit here, if you haven't listened to some of our previous podcasts, what what our team does, we, we've identified nine, uh, nine behaviors that are really important for an organization, and they're divided in three areas, this results, team, and character. And it was really great, John, that you're, the word you'd already selected actually already fit those three buckets. And so good. So now, but it, now it's actually a, a full blown tool, like you said, that you're using to measure current behavior. How, how are we behaving? How do we act this last week? And what room do we have to grow? Um, so how does that affect the mindset of your leaders? I think the biggest thing that culture brand does is it, it allows us to pause for a minute to evaluate where we're coming from or where we were, whether that's last week or last year, and then be able to say, how are we doing with that moving forward? And I, I think that's kind of the most important thing is if I can put a draw a line in the sand to evaluate where I'm at, to be able to have a really great plan to know where I am moving forward and to be able to develop or just identify some areas that really, really need to be worked on. Um, if you go through and score yourself honestly on those areas and I tell them like a 10, like you're not really allowed a 10. If you're going one out of 10, you got to be knocking it right out of the park completely. But if we can go through and develop, what I've found is most people are really, really strong on one. Um, a lot have one that's an obvious area of opportunity. And then another one of those three is it's either closer to the opportunity or it's closer to a strength. It, it's kind of varies depending on the person. Now there's some that you'll get one, one of those characteristics in each one. That's a real obvious area of opportunity, but that's kind of what happens, but being able to focus in on that. And I think one of my leaders 
it was really cool because we were able to develop that that person really struggled with with coachability and we were able to say okay let's think about that so if that's something that's hard how do we then work on that and we developed a plan that we're going to sit down every single monday and we're going to reevaluate the past week on how that's going to the point that coachability although it was it's probably a weakness but it became something that actually really had a lot of growth and that person became strong in that area and is able to identify that's an area I need to focus on so that I can be better. Okay. And I think that's been super helpful. What a beautiful story. So just for our listeners too, they may not realize that you didn't come to them and score them on coachability. They're self-scoring and saying, Hey, this is an area that I'm, I'm a lightweight on. I, I need, I'm being transparent. I'm admitting. And so it really, the way we see that happen is when they, when they're able to do that, it really lowers the barrier of resistance. You know, they opened up the door and then you got to say, all right, thank you. Let's, I'm all for that. Let's, let's see what we can do to help you in that area. And you get to be their cheerleader rather than a policeman coming in saying, Hey, we need to talk, have a talk about coachability. That's a beautiful picture. What's also really interesting is when you, you use it initially, there's a little bit of resistance, but what's really neat is I see my leaders now using it with all of the people that they're working with. Um, so one of the things that I look at when I think of leadership is me personally, I, I want to care for every single person in my organization, but I have 120 people or more that are actually working in Chick-fil-A Marysville. And it's going to be very difficult for me as John to eat, to work with each one of those at the same level. I, I just can't, but I want to like make sure that my organization does. That's really, really key to me. So that means that every person in my organization needs to be cared for by my organization as if it was John caring for them. So Culture Brand has allowed us to do that because that's the way I care for leaders. And then they're caring for others and they're pulling it out and saying, hey, let's go through Culture Brand. Hey, let's just go stand over here in the corner. We're gonna look up and we're gonna walk through those areas. We're gonna identify for this week, what can you be working on? And it's no longer this scary thing. It's actually something that they're using as a tool every single day and which we really love. As you describe that, you know, we hear a lot in the leadership world right now about growth mindset. And I just can't think of a better way to do growth mindset on the fly, on the floor, right in the middle of work and to turn around and say, hey, which of these areas can I help you in today? And them being so transparent. So good job on building a growth mindset in your organization. John, one of the things I love about you is how how networked you are within the uh, Chick Fil A family. I mean, I, I can't see, I can't seem to talk to an operator across the country that doesn't know you somehow or know somebody that knows you. And and you've just been an operator for just a few years. So congratulations on your the power of friendships and networking that you've really maximized. How how do you use that skill in your team development and prioritizing your relationships and your development? of your, of your team. Yeah. So I think that's kind of an, an interesting point. Like I, I really value relationships. I revalue, I value bringing other people around me that I feel that 
either I can support them or I can, I love being surrounded by great people and I'm not threatened by that. I think it goes back to the, to the beginning, like that, that's really a, a great thing for me. And to be able to have people that I'm able to invest in that are going to become great leaders that even can launch from where they are with me and go on to do great things like that, that really is something that drives me and I love to do. And I was just at RPMs and, you know, one time I'm sitting with the Phoenix group, the next time I'm sitting with Portland, the next time I'm sitting with um, some from down in, in California, I, I love networking. And I think as I bring that back to my team, what I'm realizing is I want to be able to invest in my team individually and in different ways and realize each one of them are different and they all have value and I need to take time to listen to them and they need to be able to take time to be with me as they're developed. So I think when I look at developing leaders, there's a couple of things that are super important to me. It needs to be modeled. So if I'm going to produce great leaders, I need to model what that looks like. I can't expect them to be developing as a leader, following my vision. If I'm absent, that doesn't mean I have to be there all the time, but I definitely need to be present in the business and modeling what a great leader is. I think the other thing that really is comes important is, is role clarity and good communication. So if, if someone is coming along and developing into a great leader, but they don't really know what the expectations are, they don't really understand what their role is. We can't communicate in a way that's super clear. Then I can't have any expectations from them. I can't even really see them develop into what's next because they don't know. So I think that's important. And I, I really try to make sure that my leaders at the highest level understand that, but they're then transferring that same kind of knowledge down to every single person, even down to a new team member. Um, and then I think when you're developing leaders, giving them autonomy and Chick-fil-A does that really well with us as operators, they, they, they are giving you a franchise to run and you have a lot of autonomy. There's, there's guidelines and there's, there's boundaries to that, but you have a lot of autonomy within that. And if I've communicated it really clearly to my leaders, then if I give them autonomy, they're going to be able to develop ownership. They're going to be able to move forward. And I think do that really well. And then have an environment of accountability. One thing that I've learned in the Spanish language, the word accountable is not really something that is easily translated. Um, there's a couple of different ways you can do that, but it should be part of our culture that we're actually holding people accountable. So you're that trust and verify. It's not a threat. It's actually normal. And it's actually part of how we function. So those are areas that I've just worked with um, that I love in, in developing others. Thanks for outlining, especially that autonomy piece. And then if you know, if you don't mind, I'm going to put autonomy and accountability and pair them together. If we put those, if those are both coexisting, right, in the relationships that you have, what would be a third requirement or, or thing that really helps? What's the glue that helps autonomy and, uh, and accountability really work? Okay, as I think of those two words, autonomy and accountability, 
here, here's what I see. I need to give enough freedom to, to have autonomy. And that means I have to let somebody take something. They need to run with it. They need to work with it. They need to do that. They need to be willing to be accountable back to whoever they were given the autonomy from. But in the meantime, I think the idea of being open to they know who they can go to. They're not scared to go and get some assistance in the middle of that. They are actually able to communicate back and forth. And I think it's that idea of support. They feel that there's someone there that's going to help them through the challenge, but yet the ownership and the autonomy is, is really something that they feel and they're going to bring that to fruition. So I'm not sure if that really answers your question, but I, I would say that that would be, to me, those are two things that we try and really work with. I probably haven't thought of them as much as joining them together, but as I do, that would be my thoughts on it. No, I love, thanks. And one of the things I love about you, John, you, you know, just kind of taking, like we just did, you know, just taking these two ideas, mash them together and say, okay, what, what, what does this look like? What, what, what kind of sandwich did we just make? So thanks for just taking a minute to reflect on that. It was a great answer. I appreciate the way you, you know, you brought ownership and uh, that the freedom really that you're trying to give in with those two ideas. So, well, John, uh, my final question is, you know, maybe a, a bit more personal. Um, I don't know where this might go, but as you think about your journey, uh, what, what would be an example of what at the time felt like a failure, but it really ended up propelling you forward. What would be a story around that question? Yeah, I think as you look at the journey, there's probably a number of different things as you go through um, life. And whether it was back in the tent rental business, um, there was things that, that happened. And sometimes you look at them as failures. Sometimes they're just circumstances. Um, we had a situation where we had a fire in our warehouse, huge impact. The thing that I learned is I got to run the business. I can't worry about what happened in the fire. I now got to worry about how I run the business from here forward. So that'd be like one thing. Another one, and I don't know if I would call it failure, but as I look at my Chick-fil-A journey, I was really determined that I wanted to be somewhere between Phoenix and San Diego up as far as Palm Springs. That was the kind of area that I lived in, I wanted to be in. And I applied for a store there and I ended up getting a no to that particular one. And I think we could delve into some of the reasons why I may think I got no or whatever it might be, whether I was even forgotten, I don't know. But one thing that I can look at now is there was a plan. And I'm going to say God had a plan for me that was different. And for the last four years, I really feel that I was supposed to be in Marysville. And that plan came to fruition. And I was able to see that we've had been able to have huge impact on this city. We've been able to bring the brand to Marysville that was never here in the north end of Washington before. And we've had a huge impact on a team just to be able to see a team come together and build. We've had two operators come out of our restaurant I've sent directors to a number of other restaurants and launched them forward. And we still have a really strong leadership team today. And that's something that I love doing, being able to build a leadership, being able to launch 
to send out to support our brand and support others, as well as keep doing that. And we're doing that today. Well, John, if there's such a thing as a leadership magnet in uh, in your part of the world in Chick-fil-A, it's definitely you're, you're definitely making that uh, fitting that definition of a leader magnet. And you've been able to roll out some amazing leaders that are now now, you know, leading in different places of the world on their own. So congratulations on that. And way to what a way to take a no and or a, a, a terrible event, a tragic event and and learn from it and continue to lead through it. So great job of um, taking those tough times and, and moving forward in with empathy at the right time. John, it's so good to have you on the show. What what would you say to another leader that might be, say, two steps behind you in their their leadership, in their, say, their Chick-fil-A journey? They're, maybe they're two years in, you're four years in. What might be a piece of advice for them right about now that you think, you know, you could have used at, at that mark? What would you offer to them right now? What I'd love to say is just, just remember, surround yourself with really great people and don't be, don't be scared to do that. Really figure out who you are as a person and how, you know, how you're going to be able to move forward with whatever the the new challenges and opportunities that there are there. And I would say, just know that being a leader is not something that you ever arrive at. You're continually learning. And I remember um, I had a coach, Cameron Bowman, and Cameron was a great, great individual. He passed away um, just over a year ago right now. He actually became a really close friend. So, Jay, just like you're, you've become a really close friend. He was a really close friend of mine. But I remember the first day I called him up and I said, Cameron, listen, I, I think I need a leadership coach. And I think I need it for my team. He said, okay, we're going to start with you. Because you're, you can't lead your team until you've figured yourself out. So that was something that I learned. Start with yourself. And then if you can be humble enough to lead yourself, then you're going to be able to lead others and do that with confidence. Well, much love to Cameron's family and the Trevero community. That's a, one of one of my friends leads that organization, leads that organization, Sylvia Lawrence. And so shout out to Trevero and uh, no, every time I hear Cameron's name, I hear a lot of a love and affection around that and, and just challenge and growth from what he did in people's lives. So uh, we, we celebrate him as a fellow coach and his his life and his investment in you and others uh, across the country. John, thanks for being on the show and sharing about your journey, your leadership journey, uh, your Chick-fil-A journey, your newspaper route journey, and uh, all the other things that you've been used in leadership and learning about business throughout your life. Thank you for the investment you make in other people, the leaders around you, the two operators out there that are leading organizations of their own and other directors around the country. But, and I also appreciate our friendship. So thanks for being on the show. Yeah. Thank you, Jay. Thanks for even just taking the time with me and considering me for this podcast and um, yeah, look forward to keep working together. Thank you for listening to Build Your Culture Brand with Dr. Jay Rains. If you enjoyed this podcast, please like, comment, and share. You can also visit our website at buildyourculturebrand.com.
We would like to note that Leaders Q serves individual owner-operators and their teams and is not affiliated, endorsed by, or in any way officially connected with Chick-fil-A Incorporated. 